0: Hi, this is Erin Olson of Sandalfeet Ministries. Thank you so much for stopping by my podcast today. If you'd like more information about my ministry, please visit www.sandalfeet.org. Thank you again for stopping by, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. Hi, this is Erin Olson. Thank you so much for joining me today for week five of my Bible study, Forgiveness, Unforgiveness Revealed Through Your Fruits. Today, we're going to be talking about the attribute of patience versus impatience. So let me go ahead and open us up in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you so much for today. Lord, we just thank you that we can carve out time in our day, Lord, just to sit at your feet, to read through your word, to hear teaching about your word. Lord, and I just pray that uh, through the Holy Spirit, Lord, that you would speak through me. Lord, that... Um, That our minds would be steadfast on the things that are on your mind. Lord, I pray, Father, that where there are some who are struggling with patience or impatience, Lord, I pray that uh, you would speak to them them today clearly. Lord, that you would reveal yourself to them. Lord, that, that matters would be cleared up. Father, I praise you for allowing us the time to hear from you. I thank you that we can go to you when we are in need. Lord, we just pray that you bless this time together, and it's in the name of Jesus I pray, amen. So today we are gonna be talking about patience versus impatience, and and I said it in the book that I'm not a very patient person. I struggle with patience, just like I struggled with peace as I mentioned last week, but I struggle with patience just because I move at a fast pace. I talk really fast, I um I tend to move very fast, and. And um, I always, you know, whether my expectations are too high for others, I expect them to keep up or I have unrealistic expectations. Whatever it might be, uh, sometimes my patience bucket is running very low. So oftentimes I pray, I pray for a couple of things from from God often uh, for myself personally. I pray, one, that my words only be encouraging and kind and gentle and uplifting. And I oftentimes even pray that, Lord, if those things cannot come out of my mouth, I just pray that you would silence me and not give me the ability in that moment to speak um, because sometimes I can't control myself. And so uh, that's also a spirit, an attribute, a fruit of the spirit, and that self-control we'll talk about later in another week. But um, I pray that prayer often. And I also pray for more patience. I pray for it as a mom, I pray for it as a wife, I pray for it as a human, I pray for it as a friend, as a a sister in Christ, as a a daughter, as a a sister, an earthly sister. And I just pray for that often, because I know that uh, when we are impatient, when we act impatiently, um, it usually doesn't turn out so well. Feelings get hurt. actions get taken that we might not otherwise do if we weren't um, acting in a moment of impatience but if we are truly being patient and waiting on the Lord that um, things would look a lot better so this morning when I was I was reading through the Bible I'm on this 90 day read through the entire Bible reading plan through you version and I'm just starting out uh, so we'll see how it goes but Right now, I'm still in the book of Genesis, and when I was reading Genesis chapter 34 this morning, it jumped off the page at me, and, and I knew that I would be recording this podcast for patience, and so I thought, wow, this is a perfect example to talk about what happens when we act impatiently to enact revenge and in, instead of offering forgiveness. And, and it's a very extreme example, but I think it's helpful to see that things can get out of control really quickly. So I'm going to start here by reading first in uh, Genesis 34. And to give you a little bit of background, um, Jacob had, had moved and he was moving uh, from from where he was, uh, from Padanaram, and he was going towards the land of Canaan, the land that God had already promised him. And he had arrived in a town called Shechem and his daughter there, he had one daughter that we know of. The rest were sons through all of his wives and concubines and, and, um one day this daughter of his went to visit some of the young women who lived in that area according to 34 verse chapter 34 verse 1 in genesis and there was a local prince there by the name of shechem a son of hamor the hivite and he saw this girl dinah jacob's daughter and he seized her and it says that he raped her and uh, but then he fell in love with her and he tried to win her affection with kind words Verse 4, he said to his father, Hamer, get me this young girl. I want to marry her. So soon Jacob heard that what Shechem had done to his daughter. But since all of his sons were out in the fields herding his livestock, he said nothing until they returned. Hamer, Shechem's father, came to discuss the matter with Jacob. So Hamer had come here to discuss the matter. Jacob already was aware of what happened. Um, but he was waiting on his sons to come back and, and talk to them about what happened. And so Hammer was trying to to talk about this situation, right? He was coming to talk with Jacob about what had transpired between his son, Shechem, and Jacob's daughter, Dinah. And, uh, but meanwhile, however, Jacob's sons had come in from the field, according to verse 7, and as soon as they heard what had happened, they were shocked and furious that their sister had been raped. Shechem had done a disgraceful thing against Jacob's family, something that should never have been done. So Hammer, um, Shechem's dad, he tried to speak with Jacob and his sons. My son is truly in love with your daughter. Please let him marry her. In fact, let's arrange other marriages too. You give us your daughters for our sons and we'll give you our daughters for your sons. And you may live among us. The land is open to you. Settle here and trade with us and feel free to buy property in the area. Then Shechem himself spoke to Dinah's father and brothers. Please be kind to me and let me marry her, he begged. I will give you whatever you ask. No matter what dowry or gift you demand, I will gladly pay it. Just give me the girl as my wife. Now this sounds good. This sounds like this guy's trying to do the right thing, but but let's be reminded that God had already promised Jacob this land. He had already said that you were gonna have everything in it. Um and and so really, I mean, the Canaanites were in no position to to give him this blessing because God had already given him this blessing and so instead of saying man I messed up and and forgive me and I've and I've been a disgrace he's trying to barter and he's trying to to intermarry the Canaanites with the Israelites and God had already said that wasn't going to happen and uh, so in verse 13 it says but since shechem had defiled their sister dinah jacob's sons responded deceitfully to shechem and his father hamer Now jacob didn't respond it was his sons take note and he said they said to them we couldn't possibly allow this because you're not circumcised it would be a disgrace for our sister to marry a man like you but here's a solution if every man among you will be circumcised like we are then we will give you our daughters and we'll take your daughters for ourselves we will live among you and become one people But if you don't agree to be circumcised, we will take her and be on our way." Hamer and his son Shechem agreed to their proposal. Shechem wasted no time in acting on this request, for he wanted Jacob's daughter desperately. Shechem was a highly respected member of his family, and he went with his father to present this proposal to the leaders at the town gate. "'These men are our friends,' they said. "'Let's invite them to live here among us and trade freely. Look, the land is large enough to hold them. We can take their daughters as wives and let them marry ours.' But they will consider staying here and becoming a one people with us if only all our men are circumcised just as they are. But if we do this, all their livestock and possessions will eventually be ours. Come, let's agree to their terms and let them settle here among us. So it says in verse 24, All the men in the town council agreed, and every male in the town was circumcised. However, three days later, when their wounds were still sore, as you can imagine, two of Jacob's sons, Simeon and Levi, who were Dina's full brothers... Remember, Jacob had uh, Leah and Rachel were his wives, and he had concubine, Bilhah and Zilpah. They uh, took their swords, Simeon and Levi, and entered the town without opposition. Clearly, all the men were laid up, not able to stand up. So they slaughtered every male there, including Hammer and his son Shechem. They killed them with their swords, then took Dinah from Shechem's house and returned to their camp. Meanwhile, the rest of Jacob's sons arrived. Finding the men slaughtered, they plundered the town because their sister had been defiled there. They seized everything, all the flocks, the donkeys, everyone, anything they could lay their hands on both inside the town and outside in the fields. They looted all their wealth and plundered their houses. They also took all their little children and wives and led them away as captives. And afterward Jacob said to Simon and Levi, You have ruined me, you have made me stink among among all these people of this land, among all the Canaanites and Perizzites." We are so few that they will join forces crush crushes. I will be ruined and my entire household will be wiped out. And then their sons, Simeon and Levi, Jacob's son, said, But why should we let him treat our sister like a prostitute? They retorted angrily. So we see this awful thing that had been done to Dinah. I mean, she went to go visit some friends. She wasn't looking for trouble. Uh, she might have been unwise into going into such a dangerous area. Um, sometimes when we're young, we make silly choices or we don't think about things in the same way. And so she went to go visit some friends and, and this area wasn't safe. And, and then this young prince saw her and wanted her and he raped her. And then uh, then decided, then he fell in love with her and decided he wanted to become, uh, she he wanted her to become his wife and, and and clearly that's not the way to go about it. Whether that's back then, how disgraceful that was, um, even more so in that um, in that time period. But still, even now today, not acceptable. Uh, but we see how her brothers, her two brothers reacted. Jacob kind of held back because Jacob felt weak, perhaps. Um, he even said it later in the end there. He says, I will be ruined. Our numbers are few. So he was still not completely trusting in the Lord. Uh, he wasn't saying, my God already told me that I'm going to have this land and I'm going to see that I'm going to live with that power and that, that covenant. And, and I'm going to live with that faith, fully assured, knowing that God has already provided for me um, because he said he would. Uh, so he was, uh, you know, a little wobbly there, Jacob. And so he waited for his sons. And then when Hamer and his uh, Hamer and his son Shechem, when they came to negotiate, it wasn't Jacob that stepped up. It was his, the sons that offered this proposition. And. Um, to do that, so they were impatient, right? They weren't waiting on the Lord to seek vengeance. They went there, not fully being able to forgive these people for making a grave mistake for she- for Shechem's bad choice and you know they came to try to negotiate whether it was truthful or deceitful in a way if we read that exchange again you notice how Hamer and Shechem are are trying to become one with these peoples because they knew how much uh, Jacob had and was going to have that he was you know that he had possessions and and women and and um, you know it was it was spoken that there was not to be intermarrying the Israelites were not supposed to marry somebody not of the chosen race and and, and so they were all well aware of this. So there was a whole bunch of deceit going on. And re- remember that Jacob's name, Jacob, means a deceiver. And so he was deceitful, right? He had been deceived. Um, he deceived uh, Esau, and he deceived his father in the blessing. And, and then he was deceived by his uncle Laban when he wanted Rachel and got Leah instead. And so there's just this just this, this circle of deceit after deceit after deceit after deceit. And and so now his sons were living out this life as well. And and so and clearly the Canaanites were not uh, walking with the Lord and and they were deceitful people and and bad people, corrupt and wicked, and and so um, and so when we see this transpire, and they said, Well, you know what, we'll make a deal. You you do this, all of your men get circumcised, just like we're circumcised, and and then we'll allow our sister to marry you. And and clearly these boys knew what uh, what was going to happen. They were setting up a game plan. They were being impatient, acting impatiently, going before God, um, allowing themselves to seek revenge for something that happened upon their sister instead of letting the Lord take care of it. And so they said that they would do this, knowing full well that they knew that these guys would be laid up for a few days in pain and agony and not able to defend themselves. And when they went into the camp, sure enough, that's what happened. And they slaughtered everybody. They didn't keep their promise. They didn't go in with a with an honest way of saying, you know, what if you do this, we truly will give you our daughter in marriage. They, you know, had them do this, um, which is, you know, a pretty violent thing to have to do as an adult. And they did this on a condition and simeon and levi they didn't hold up to their end of the bargain and instead killed all of them and and so instead of extending instead of Hamer and shechem extending forgiveness they tried to be deceitful and um and and, and try to make this work and then and instead of taking ownership of the mistake and then on the other side of that jacob was a little weak and in the his sons are the ones that spoke up And Simeon and Levi went into an arrangement very deceitfully, saying, you do this and we'll do that, knowing that they were going to go in and slaughter them. And then the brothers, the remaining brothers, took all the remaining loot and all the wives and children. And so we can see how this played out. I mean, it could have been, you know, forgiveness could have been extended or it could have even been death, you know. It could have been death to... Uh, the girl to Dinah. I mean, death. I mean, that, that was a, a definitely something that could have happened to her for having sex outside of marriage, even if it was rape, and and um, and also that you know Shechem could have apologized. Shechem could have been killed. They didn't have to wipe out the entire city for one person's sin. And so sometimes when we act impatiently and go before God, and we act angrily uh, because of something that has happened, we um, can mess it up. And and what we do is just spirals out of control and it gets graver and graver and graver and graver and in Proverbs 14:29, it says whoever is patient has great understanding but one who is quick tempered displays folly and I would say that that Simeon and Levi had a quick temper here they were mad I mean they had every right to be mad about what happened to their sister but they were quick tempered and they acted foolishly by having this all transpire in, taking the matter into their own hands. Um, and it says here in, um, Proverbs sixteen thirty two, the whole book of wisdom, it says, better a patient person than a warrior, one with self-control than one who takes a city. And this is exactly what Simeon and Levi, Levi did. They took a city, they uh, killed every man there in that, in that place. And they took the, all the wealth and all the livestock and all the women and all the children. I mean, they had no self-control in this moment and they took matters into their own hands and, um, and took that city. And so uh, definitely better a patient person than a warrior. Uh, we need to have self-control. As I mentioned, we're going to talk about that fruit of self-control later on, but um, keep that in mind, that word self-control. I use that word a lot in my house and in Psalm 37 7 it says be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him do not fret when people succeed in their ways when they carry out their wicked schemes so the psalmist is saying wait patiently for the Lord I mean this is what they they should have done right Shechem carried out a wicked scheme against their sister and Simeon and Levi they didn't wait patiently for the Lord Um, You know they were mad and they were angry and and they took matters into their own hands and um, we are not called to be people who take matters into our own hands and why why should we be patient um i don't know about you but i am thankful every day that god is a god according to second peter 3 9 who is who the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but all should reach repentance. So I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful that I that I worship a God who is patient and that is not quick to anger because he doesn't want any one of us to perish. He wants us all to have the opportunity to respond to him And oftentimes when we take um, matters into our own hands, when we are impatient, we go before God and um, we fulfill our promise, our desires, but we don't allow the Lord to fulfill His promise and His desires. And we become judge and jury, whereas we aren't righteous and we are not close to being clean enough or, or anywhere near God's capacity because He is God and He is the only judge that uh, he is the rightful judge who judges all of our ways and actions but we sometimes want to play god and and play judge and and we decide um what is sin and and what is uh, worthy of our anger and um, our hostility and our in our actions to act without taking it to the lord and god doesn't want us to do that he doesn't ever want us to do that and um Romans 12, 12 says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. And we did talk uh, about joy earlier, and that joy that comes from within, that is only found because of the work that Christ is doing in us and through us. And patient in affliction, we are going to be afflicted in this world. It said, you know, he said, you will have troubles in this world. Um, not when, but... Not if, but when, like it's going to happen, and so we need to be patient in affliction, whether that's persecution as a church, as a church body, as a a Christian, um, or affliction with a family member, or affliction with a stranger, uh, affliction, some sort of trial. Uh, We need to be patient in that affliction, and how are we patient? How are we able to be patient and joyful? It's because we remain faithful in prayer we remain faithful in communicating with God who is our um, prayer is our way to connect it's our cord to heaven it's the way that we hear from God so that he can respond it's a way for us to wait patiently on the Lord um, and wait for him to act wait for him to tell us how to go um, and to be slow to anger um, slow to have a quick temper and Nowhere in the in this chapter 34 of thirty four of Genesis does it say that the brothers took it to the Lord in prayer. Never does it say that they retreated and prayed. It all seems to happen very quickly, and um, and that was their downfall. They didn't take it in prayer. They didn't go set up an altar. They didn't go cry out to the Lord. Um, lord you know what does this look like our sister has been defiled and and what does that mean for us as a family and and how do we how do we deal with that and what do we say if they come and talk to us and how should we act toward them and should we go and try to make peace with them first and and um, you know what can we do for our sister how do we let her heal from this wound and and how can we be better for it and instead of and instead of doing that and taking it to the Lord in prayer not only has his sister been violated physically violated, she now potentially has to carry the burden of being in a way responsible for her actions if she tries to play blame herself for being at the wrong place at the wrong time which so many victims do fall um pray to and then she, you know her actions that day if she hadn't went without uh company uh, then she could have um you know she's now Hundreds of men have been killed and women and children are now dead and, I mean, are now without their fathers and husbands and, you know, and, and a city has been sieged. And and it's not to ever place blame on the victim, but we also have to look at it as, you know, how are we affecting that? What other burdens are we putting on the victim when we go and we jump into things quickly and, and how we don't work through the process of forgiveness? Um And it's going to happen. You know, whether we tell the victim, it's not your fault at all, it's not your fault at all. Most victims are rarely ever going to think that. They're going to think, what could I have done differently? I mean, it's just human nature. And uh, I know for myself personally, I was involved in something and, um, and I look back and the story resonates with me and, and, and I know that how was I, uh, how did I play a part in that? Like, what could I have done differently? I could have done so much differently and maybe it could have all been avoided. Maybe it couldn't have been avoided, but, um, you know, I have to take some responsibility for myself, you know, it wasn't, you know, things happen for a reason and, you know, it's all a part of our story, but oftentimes, sometimes we have to, we have to worry about um, not extending forgiveness when forgiveness is due because of the burdens that it can place on victims, on the burdens that can continue to place on you as a person who's been violated or or um, a person who is a party to the violation Um, or to the act or the unkind word or however it might be it's just It's just trouble upon trouble upon trouble upon trouble. And we saw quickly how this story just spirals out of control from one act of one man um, to then uh, a city being wiped out and to then a father, Jacob, you know, being, oh my goodness, what's gonna happen? I'm low in numbers and and, you know now I'm gonna be a laughing stock and people are gonna know this. And I mean, what have you done to our family name? And while that didn't happen to them, their family name wasn't ruined. God actually used their family still. Tremendously, obviously, but um, but those are the thoughts that were going through his head, and so we have to be really careful with that, and and sometimes so patience is patience is sometimes where that comes. I know um, we want uh, justice right away, and we want uh, someone to be held accountable right away, and. And sometimes that's possible and sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's just a process. And, uh, you know, and, and we have to start that process always, especially as believers. We have to start that process in prayer. Because if we don't, uh, we just take it into our own hands. And we're going to go before the Lord. We're going to act angrily. We're going to act um, without self-control. We're going to act without patience. And uh, we're going to try to do it in our own strength. And, and we can't um, do it in our own strength all the time. There's a great quote by Adrian Rogers. It says, the Bible says the fruit of the spirit is long suffering. I'll tell you one thing about fruit. You will never see a fruit factory. Isn't that right? You see a shirt factory, but you see a fruit orchard. You see, there is no fruit without life. You cannot manufacture patience. The fruit of the spirit is patience. You can't make patience up. Patience comes from the Holy Spirit. In our own strength, we are not patient people. Um, So we need to pray for that heavenly fruit of patience. And when I'm thinking about impatience, I think, why do we become impatient? I think um, Psalm 106, 13 sums it up so nicely. It says, they quickly forgot his works. They did not wait for his counsel. And I have to think that As I mentioned here, Jacob, you know, he uh, felt a little uneasy, a little off ground there. And he waited for his sons to come back, I'm sure, because he needed the strength uh, to approach this situation and and felt that he couldn't do it in his own strength or through the Lord's strength. And maybe it was just a moment of weakness, his sons and he, and for some reason, even though they'd been through so much, they forgot his works, they forgot His promises. They forgot that he had already told them that you're going to have this land and and this is what's going to happen. And he had already told them all these things, and, and yet he still felt small in number and without strength, and that other people would overtake him, even though God said that that wouldn't happen. And so sometimes when we forget his works, we forget the things that he has done in our lives and other people's lives. We become impatient because we don't wait for God's counsel, we don't go to him in prayer. Uh, we react without, um, without taking it to him. And when we do that, it usually just turns into a big mess. And I wrote in the book, I talked about Helen Keller, and I don't agree with all of her views um, at all, but I think she's a great example. Um, she has this quote, she said one time, she said, we could never learn to be brave and patient if there were only joy in the world. And I think that's so true. Um, We would never have courage if things always went well because we would never have to be strong. And uh, we would never be patient. Oftentimes, our testimony, our story, the plans that God has already laid out for us come through patience. Um, And so we need to be patient with people. And when I wrote this chapter in the book, I talked about... uh, you know, I prayed and I said, Lord, what, what, do you, what do you want to talk about this week when it talks about patience? Because God is so patient. I mean, it's all about God. Patience and patience. and He's, you know, gentle, long-suffering. And and, and, it, and it was in that moment that I felt like I needed to address those people that were angry toward God, that had a hard time forgiving God. And now we don't think we need to forgive God because he's the creator of the universe. But let me tell you, we need to forgive God. Um, sometimes we walk around, we think that we have forgiven everybody And yet, um, maybe God allowed a trial in our life, God allowed a person into our life, God allowed a storm to come into our life, and while we might have survived the trial, survived the storm, we're still hanging on to that anger and that bitterness that resulted in that storm. Um, We forget His works, we forget to wait for His counsel, we forget that God protected us and saved us during that storm. And we become angry with God, and and we forget that He is the Almighty, and His ways are so much greater than our ways, and He can do so much more than we can ask, think, or imagine. And yet, um, and He's the one that lays our plans down. You know, we have ways, we have thoughts, but it's His plans that go forth. And we become angry with God, and when we hold that anger toward God, it can just take a moment to set us off and do something crazy like these brothers did in, in the Genesis 34. Um, we could be totally good walking with the Lord and then something will happen and bring it up and will that memory of whatever it was that trial that situation that person that God allowed comes to mind and we think oh God why did you allow that to happen and and I can't believe you're letting this happen again and we can quickly become angry at God and and some might say it's hearsay to say that you're uh that you're angry with God but so many so many of us are angry at God and and sometimes that's reflective of being angry at the church or angry at the rules or angry at the things that God asks us to do as believers um he does ask us to do things and be obedient and all those things and so we get caught up in all that and we just get become mad at God and mad at the world and um and it just doesn't play out right and and i would challenge you to think about how the fact that if you're angry with the creator of the universe about anything, how that's going to affect every relationship around you. Because if God is love, we talked about that before, if God is love and we can't get over our anger towards love, then how in the world are we going to be patient? And how are we going to uh, be good witnesses? And, and how are we going to... Uh, forgive God and forgive ourselves for the choices that we make um during trials and so I would ask that you think about this this week and just think about am I angry at God am am I angry at myself am I am I acting impatiently am I am I trying to go before God in the situation that I'm presently in or with the relationship that I'm trying to restore Am I going before God or am I waiting patiently on the Lord because he is my strength? I'd ask you to think about that this week. And and wherever you're lacking in patience, I would just ask that you remember that um, God is there fighting for you. uh, That you are not uh, a warrior who should act impatiently. That you are not a person of folly, but that you can be a wise person. That you can be a patient person. That you could wait on the Lord until he tells you to respond in a manner worthy of the calling he has placed on you. And and more importantly, to seek a place of reconciliation and forgiveness with that person or that situation or even with God. So I thank you so much for listening to week five. I hope it made some sense to you. Um, It's just an area I think that a lot of us struggle with is patience and just waiting and and just waiting and waiting to hear from that still small voice and um, patience with relationships and timing. So I'm going to go ahead and close this in prayer, and, and I just pray that you have a great week. Heavenly Father, Lord, I'm so grateful that you are not quick to anger, but that you are slow To become angry with us, Lord, sinners that we are. Lord, I thank you that you wait patiently for each and every person. Lord, I thank you that you've waited for each and every person that's listening to this podcast today. Lord, perhaps today is a day that they needed to hear from you to finally say, I give up, I surrender. Lord, I lay it all down at your feet. You are my Savior. Forgive me of my sins. Lord, I forgive you for everything. I forgive you for whatever it is you've done in my life, Lord but just forgive me most, Lord, for um, disobeying you. Forgive me, Lord, for rejecting you. Perhaps today is the day that somebody needs to say that prayer. And I pray, Lord, that that is the case. Lord, I pray that it's not just one, but that it's many. But if it only is one, Lord, you are patient so that not one should perish. You would return for the one. So, Lord, you are great. You are mighty. You are worthy to be praised. Lord, we should shout hallelujah and glory to the King each and every day, Lord, when we wake up, because you are wonderful, you are our counselor, you are our provider, our sustainer, Lord, you are Jehovah, you are Yahweh, there are so many names, Lord, to describe you, you are the great I Am, and without you, Lord, without your Son, Jesus Christ, Lord, and especially without your Holy Spirit, we are nothing here on this earth. So, Father, give us these these fruits that you want to give us, Lord. Give us these um, seasons of fruit-bearing. Lord, I pray that each listener here becomes a person who bears much fruit. And I pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.